you may be thinking that, you know, you go to church, you've got somewhat of a knowledge of morality and, you know, other people, they really do need someone to tell them about God because, you know, they're drug addicts, alcoholics, their life is kind of in shambles and a mess. And so they need that, that help. But, um, you know, thankfully I go to church, but dear listener is going to church going to be the thing that saves you or is there something much deeper and do you need that good morning and welcome to god's resistance where we resist sin self the devil and the world glad to have you tune in with us we're continuing our study as we look in romans chapter 2 by the way If you want a more robust study experience of Romans chapter 2, you need to come to the Abide Coffee Shop at 6.30 p.m. on Thursdays, and then we go from 6.30 until about 8. The coffee shop closes down, but we're allowed to stay there afterwards. There's more people. There's questions and discussions. Sometimes those people ask questions that you have, and you can hear things go back and forth. It's an environment where we're looking into God's Word, and we're saying, now what do we do about it? Uh, So you're invited. Um, So we're picking up our study here in Romans chapter 2, and at this chapter, the first chapter was talking about really the sinful state of the Gentile pagan world, and it's no doubt when you looked at some of the things that they practice, it is really awful and egregious. However, the problem was the Jews had that idea about the Gentiles and totally missed that they themselves needed also the salvation of Jesus Christ. They thought they were all set, which is very much akin to what I said in the beginning. The religious, those that are religious, but still yet have a sin problem inside of their lives. And so now when we move into Romans chapter two, Paul is going to be talking to the Jewish person, which if you are just the religious person that goes to church all the time, uh, you may find that some similarities uh, in this are are for you. And so he he talked to the, the Gentiles and their need to be saved, And now he talks to the religious people and their need to be saved. And he says, okay, in the last verse of chapter one, he says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. He says, therefore, in chapter two, verse one, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Okay, so let's back up for a second. You've probably heard this phrase, and maybe it's even come out of your lips. You can't judge me. Jesus said, don't judge. That's Matthew chapter 7. You've heard that said before. Does does God mean that we are never to judge? Does God mean that we that we just con, we just continually just, just suspend all discernment and judgment? No. The judgment that Jesus is against and that Paul is against right here is the the judgment of hypocrisy, where we are looking at somebody else and we're saying they have the problem, they whatever, and we are so blind to our own troubles and our own problems. We are never to get to the place where we suspend our discernment because that's what helps to keep us in the right pathway is when we have discernment and make choices based off of a godly judgment. But we are not to have that condemning judgment Though, though truth may be condemning in and of itself if we're not living right, we're not to raise ourselves up and cast the other person down, which is what the Jews were doing. And this is what Paul is talking about. He says, you're inexcusable, O man, O Jewish man, 
whosoever you are that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things. So the Gentiles didn't have the law. They gave themselves to sin. There was really no check in the way. The Jews, however, they still had sin and they had the law. So they had an even greater responsibility because they had the law and they were sinning. They knew better. And maybe their sins weren't as outwardly egregious as the Gentiles, but they had sins of the heart and they were same in nature, perhaps, but not in, in degree. And so there's trouble here. He's saying, you're judging all them, but you have problems. Remember, Jesus said to some of the Pharisees, you are like a whitewashed tomb. You make the outside look pretty, but inside you're full of dead bones. He said, you try to help the other person who's got a speck in their eye and you've got a giant beam in your eye. He said, pull the beam out of your eye and then you could help the other person. That's kind of the idea of what's going on here. He says, you're judging these Gentile people and you're condemning yourself in the process because you're guilty of these same sins, whether outwardly or in your heart, you are guilty of these same sins and you also need this savior. You know, it's easy to point the finger over there and say that person needs God. But then if we're so blind to our own heart and our own living that we don't realize our needs, this is where the trouble is. So Paul turns and says to the Jews, you're not just the special pet of God solely because of blood lineage. You also have a sin problem and you need to have that taken care of. He says in verse 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things, which helps us to understand that God is impartial. He's an impartial judge to all. You don't have a special uh, pass to get out of um, you know, situations. You know, He says that he judges sin as sin no matter where it is. He, he's impartial in the entire process. So with the Jews, he would judge their sins and say, you need the Savior just as much as these Gentiles that know nothing. Both of you are sinning. Both of you need the Savior. And I do want to say that this is also something for us to think about in our present modern day uh, evangelical circles. There's also the kind of thing that, you know, I'm I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus back there. And even though I'm, I'm not where I should be right now and I'm still sinning, um, at least I gave my life to Jesus back there, so I'll still go to heaven even though I might lose my reward. If we are to use this same framework that Paul is looking at here, we can understand the heart of God is that he's not impartial. No matter who you are, no matter what stripe you call yourself by, if you're living in sin and you're not living in a, victor a victorious Christian life, then you need help just as much as anyone else does. So God is an impartial judge to all. And he says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Wow. So this would go even to the Christian. You think that the that the the person who didn't accept, quote unquote, accept Jesus into their heart, they're sinning and they're in big trouble and going to hell. And you're doing the same thing that they are, but you got, you know, you 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 said a little prayer and made a decision back then that you're going to escape the judgment of God. Because this is what the Jews thought and believed. And Paul is leveling it at them and saying, no, you need the same uh, forgiveness, the same justification, the same life of Christ inside of you that the the overabundant wicked Gentiles had or needed. And so it's the same with you. If you're living in sin, this levels the playing ground on both sides. It doesn't matter who we are. There's a salvation for us. And he said, do you think you're going to escape the judgment of God to the Jews? The answer was no. And if you're living in sin, do you think that you'll escape the judgment of God, dear listener? He said, or to the Jews, despisest thou the riches of his goodness? And forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So they're thinking, well, immediate judgment is delayed on my behalf. You know, look at the wicked things the Gentiles are doing. 
But with immediate judgment being delayed, it's not that God is, because of immediate judgment being delayed, God's approval is upon me, but it's rather a sign of his mercy. That's what this verse is talking about. Don't you know that God's long suffering with you are his riches, his goodness, his forbearance, because that all those things are calculated to lead you, even you, to repentance. And that goes to you, dear listener. Just because maybe awful things haven't happened because you continued in a life of sin, even if you did make a profession uh, to be a Christian, you accepted Christ, quote-unquote. Um, I say quote-unquote because uh, um, we don't find that term accept Christ in the, in the Scripture. You find repent and believe. Um, so it's, it's helpful for us to know those terms because it gives us a very clear map of how to go forward. And he says, do you despise God's riches to the Jews? You think these, these Gentiles, they're the dirty, wicked Gentiles, and they need all help, but I'm okay. He said, don't you despise his riches, his forbearance, his long-suffering? Don't you know that God's goodness to you is to lead you to repentance? He's trying to draw you to himself just like the Gentiles. And he says, uh, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath, against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. So he's saying, but because you think that you're well off and you think that you don't have problems, your heart is hard. You have a hardened and impenitent heart. You have a heart that will not repent because you just believe you've got this special pass with God. That's what the Jews thought. And there's many people today that would call themselves Christians that are living a life of sin, but that be because some time in the past, they gave their life to the Lord. They feel that they have got some special past. But he says that when we are hardened toward God, when God is trying to zero in on our sins and lead us to repentance, and we continue to do it because we feel like we've got a special past, you know, I accepted Christ back then, so I, whatever happens, I can never lose my salvation. So we keep living the way that we want to. He says, after your hardness and impenitent heart, you're treasuring up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. Again, no respect of which doctrine you believe with your head. If you are living in sin, he will render to every man according to his deeds. Thank God there's mercy in Jesus Christ. Thank you. We can go to him. Thank God we can go to him rather. And that's what we need to do. But don't harden your heart because you accepted Christ years ago when you know that the reality of your life is that you're not living right today. You need to be concerned about that because God's no respecter of person. He said to them who by patient continuance in well-doing, sounds like people that are living in loving obedience to Jesus Christ, it's not about their doctrine. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, the result is eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew uh, first and also of the Gentile. So this was to the Jew. If you're going to keep sinning, the same wrath of God abides on you. And he says, and it's because of your not well-doing, your contentiousness, your, your rejection of obeying the truth. And he said that because you do that, indignation and wrath is toward you. And it's the same for you, dear listeners, the same for all of us. If we continue in that way and we reject obedience to God, it's indignation and wrath toward us. God is no respecter of person. But he said, glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Notice it says, worketh good. It has 
It's talking about the way that we live. It's talking about what we do. Well-doing, worketh good, being continuing in well-doing and working good. Not just the little ways and then we go off back in that old life again, but continuing to walk with God. And he says very bluntly in verse 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And I'm going to skip a little section here because it's in parentheses. He said, shall be judged by the law in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. So he's saying, if you're a Gentile and you don't know the law, you're going to be judged by your knowledge and by your conscience. If you're a Jew and you know the law, you're going to be judged by your knowledge and by your conscience. And that is illuminated in verses 13 through 15 where he says, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified, which James also says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these have not the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile ex- accusing or else excusing one another. So remember in the in, in a previous chapter, it talked about the conscience was something that was there. Uh, God has given everyone a conscience. He's given the manifestation of creation around to show that there is a God and that we are going to be judged by him. He says the Gentiles, though they didn't have the law, they're going to be judged by the light of their conscience. When their conscience accuses them of wrongdoing and they do it anyways, they'll be judged by that. If their conscience excuses them where they're they're troubled in their conscience and they refrain from doing the wrong thing, he said they will be blessed right there. They're going to be judged by that law, the law of light and the law of conscience. You, Jew, will be judged by your greater knowledge. So either way, people are going to be judged by what they are doing. And that's still the same in our present day now. We have to walk in the light of truth as revealed in the scripture. We have to walk to the best of our ability and knowledge. We have to walk according to the light that God has shed upon our pathway. And uh, I think it was Mark Twain, he said, I'm not bothered by the things that I don't understand in the Bible. I'm bothered by the things that I do. And dear listener, that could be you. You're bothered by what you understand in the light that you know and that you're not living up to. Here's the good news. God is no respecter of person. Whoever turns, whoever repents and puts their full trust and and faith in Jesus Christ can be freed, can be forgiven, can be freed of their sin. You no longer have to live a life of sin anymore. In fact, if you're a Christian, you don't live a life of sin anymore, according to 1 John. You can be freed. God's no respecter of persons, but his mercy is everlasting. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. If you're local, I'd love to get a coffee with you. And also, if you're local, every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. at Abide Coffee Shop in Wilkes-Barre, we have a Bible study. Every Thursday at 5.30, we have a street meeting as well as Sundays at 4 p.m. in the public square. We want to see you at the Bible study, 6.30 on Thursdays at Abide.